Welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and we hope that it blesses you. For any more information on this sermon or any additional resources, visit us at thrivechurch.co.nz. Church, you may be seated. Thank you so much, Glenn. Uh, We feel really welcomed here. We just love the first service. Great to be back for part two. I uh, just give honour to the worship team. I think they're so fantastic. You enjoy them every week. We enjoy them this morning for the first time. So I'm so glad to be with you this morning. I plan to have church. Is that okay if I enjoy myself? Uh, so glad to be able to be with you here today. That would be really good if we can do that. All right. Uh, okay, well, I, I kind of need to get started, but I just thought that I'd like to begin this morning with a miracle story. Anyone here like miracle stories? Uh, this is really close to me, close to my family. Uh, ten weeks ago, uh, my uh, brother-in-law, uh, his name is Alan, great guy, we've, uh, I've known him for most of my life, uh, and uh, he was, uh, they got up and went to church on a Sunday morning. He wasn't feeling especially great, to be honest. He, uh, Alan uh, only became a Christian in the latter part of his life. Before that, uh, he had had uh, quite a lot of uh, a, a, uh, what do you call them? Substance kind of abuse things. That's I'm just. I won't say any more than that. And which had resi- really resulted in his body uh, breaking down. Had real problems with his veins. And so for the last ten years, he's been homebound more than he's been able to go out. And just found a lot of things which we find easy for him are quite difficult. So about ten weeks ago, we went to church in the morning. I uh, wasn't feeling great, and so my sister was just looking after him during the afternoon, and just before dinner, he gets up and he goes through to the bedroom. So my sister uh, gave him a few moments and thought, oh, I'm just going to go and check on him. So she goes into the bedroom and sees him standing by the bed, fiddling with something, and, and she goes over and said, are you okay, Alan? And he collapses on her, and she calls out for one of their boys, Mark was there, and uh, calls out to him. He took, takes one look and phones, dials 111. And so the ambulance came relatively quickly and took him off to the hospital. We'll just cut the story short as I can. Two hours later, he's in a coma. Uh, The doctor comes to them and says to him, if the children or his children want to see him alive, you need to call them now. Uh, We've done some tests. We can't find any evidence of brain activity happening. He was on machines, which were obviously keeping his bodily functions operating. So the family came. There were lots of tears. There were lots of hugs. There was lots of love going on. Lots of uh, the children just saying, Dad, we love you, and, and thank you for all you've done for us, and all those kind of good things, thinking it was to be their last time to see their dad alive. And uh, so then they went home and my sister stayed overnight with him and just praying in the room, just, you know, loving on him. And uh, the next morning, one of the guys in the church, his name's Danny, uh, he rings up my sister and said, listen, I heard that Alan's really unwell. I heard he's in hospital. Would you be okay if I came up and prayed for him? And uh, you need to understand that this man lost his wife to cancer just six months ago. And so it's a big deal, particularly because Alan was in exactly the same ward in the hospital. So this is a big deal for him to say, look, can I come up and pray uh, for your husband? So uh, their son is the, um, Elaine Allen, their son is the pastor of the church there. Some of you know Grant and Abby Bateson. Uh, So they pastor the church in Whakatane. And so he rang him up and said, look, I'm going to go and pray for your dad. Would you like to come? So the two of them went up and you, you need to know, Danny's a Scotsman and he is a Pentecostal. He doesn't have any idea how to pray quietly. 
his fiance, he's got a new fiance. She was four, she's a nurse. She was four rooms down in the ward and she could hear him praying very clearly. And so anyway, he goes up and he just wants to pray. And I need to tell you how he prayed because it was a, an unusual prayer. It's not the kind of prayer that probably most of us would even think to pray. But this is what he said. In the room, it's just the machines are going beep, beep, beep. You know what it's like. And uh, the, the doctors already said, you know, there's no brain activity that we can, we can discern. Uh, so anyway, he prays. And this is what Danny prayed. He said, Alan, we love you. Come back to us. Doesn't sound like a real prayer, does it? <laughs> then he said it again, Alan, you know that we love you. Come back to us. And then he said it a third time, Alan, and, and I'm sort of saying it, he was shouting it. He said, Alan, you know that we love you. Come back to us. And Alan's eyes flicked open. And he was back. Oh, come on now. Well, Within two hours, he could talk. By evening, he was up. After six days, they said, we might as well send you home because there's no reason to keep you here. Uh, the, the doctor that was, was on duty is in our church, and he saw them in church the following Sunday as they're walking up into church, and he said to him, Elaine, you need to know that there is no medical explanation for what happened in that room. Wow. Isn't that the cool? Do you like that, Jared? That's what we were born for, my brother. That's what we live for. I need to tell you that Alan's had been in almost constant pain for 10 years. There is no pain. All his vital signs are normal. He's living like he hasn't lived for 10 years, and I think Jesus is okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. I didn't get to share that in the first service, but I thought, I've got to tell you that. i just got to tell you that. That's just the coolest thing, isn't it? So praise the Lord. Uh, I'll just take a moment of time. Uh, uh, I have written a couple of books. I, I've been a busy pastor for many years, never done very good at finishing uh, what, some of this kind of stuff, but I'm uh, not pastoring any longer. I, I just travel and have the privilege of being in great churches like Thrive. And so I'm here this morning. I just want to tell you about a couple of books. I, I kind of almost don't like doing it because it feels like self-promotion. But if I don't tell you, they're all going to sit in my garage, aren't they? Uh, so I started this first book uh, 10 years ago. It's not very fat, but it started about, no, it was six years ago. Six years ago, wasn't it? I started to write this book. It's called The Lie That You Believe. Have you ever, any of you ever had a verse in the Bible that you believe but you don't understand? I've got a few verses like that. I say, Lord, I believe that verse. I just don't understand it. And one of those verses was found in 1 John 5. And it says this. He says, For you are of God, little children, and the whole of the world lies under the influence of the evil one. That verse used to confuse me. Because I'd say to the Lord, how does the devil do that? He's not omnipotent. That means he's not all-powerful. He's not omniscient. That means he doesn't know everything. And he's not omnipresent. That means he's not everywhere. So how does he control the whole world? And I used to ask the Lord for a long time, how does he do that? And one day I'm reading in John 8. We sang John 8 this morning, just a few minutes ago. We sang part of John 8. Uh, the famous verse is, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. But there's a verse a little bit after, I think it's verse 46, I can't even remember now. But Jesus says this. He says, because I tell you the truth, you won't believe me. If I told you a lie, you would believe me. What an incredible statement. 
And the Lord just spoke to me and he said, that's how the devil controls the whole world. He does it through a fabric of lies. And so I wrote a book to tell on the devil, to tell people he's a liar, and to tell them not to believe his lies anymore. In fact, I wrote about three quarters of the book and then I gave up. I thought, oh, maybe, Lord, it's just for me. I got discouraged. But we had this guy come into our church. This is not what I'm here to speak about. I'm going to get there. We had this guy come to our church. He's from Sri Lanka. He was part of the government in Sri Lanka. Amazing man. Uh, but he found corruption in his party, in the government. So he decided that he would change parties. In New Zealand, you can do that. It's not popular. They're now trying to start a law, so you can't. But uh, anyway, he decided he would sh shift across the house. And uh, that night, got a knock on his door saying, if you're still in this house in the morning, you'll be dead. And so he went into hiding for three months. His daughter managed to get him an air ticket to come to New Zealand. So he was in New Zealand. Uh, through a very sad circumstance, he lost all his money. So he's lost his position. He's lost his family. He's lost his country. And now he's lost his money. So his, uh, real, uh, his lawyer, his, he had a, a, a refugee law, a lawyer, uh, he goes to see her and he says, listen, there's nothing for me to live for. I'm going to commit suicide. And she said, oh, you mustn't do that. Would you see my pastor? Would you let my pastor come and talk to you? So he said, yes, I'll talk to your pastor. This man's a Buddhist or was a Buddhist. So I go around and talk to him. We had just great time talking. After two hours, he bows his head, gives his life to Jesus. That's cool, isn't it? So I said to him, listen, I said, we're, you know, we Christians, we worship on Sunday. Would you like to come to church on Sunday? So he said, sure, I'd like that. So I pick him up and he gets in the car and he uh, sits in the passenger seat and he said, Bruce, he said, I need to ask you a question. This morning as I was waking up, I heard this voice say to me, you will be Moses to your people. Pastor Bruce, he said, who's Moses? <laughs> he didn't know who he was. So I said, listen, as we're going to church, I'll tell you who Moses is. But when you get home, read the book of Exodus. You'll meet Moses. So he goes home that week. He reads the book of Exodus. He's a real scholar. And he comes, gets in the car the following Sunday to come to church. He said, oh, Bruce, I met Moses. <laughs> and so he was really excited. But it started in his life. He has visions. He has dreams almost nightly. It's the way God talks to him. So he had this dream about our church one time. God showed him things that he was going to do in our church. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And Jesus just came and talked to him about what he was going to do in our church. So he goes off to his life group, tells his life group leader, and she said, you've got to tell pastor this. This is important. So the following Sunday, he sits down with me in the cafe and he starts to unpackage this dream. Tell him what God's going to do in our church. I'm, I'm loving it. He says, you know, Lord, uh, Bruce, he said, an unusual thing happens. When the Lord had finished talking to me, he turned to walk away. And then he turned back and he said to me, oh, one more thing. Tell Pastor Bruce, finish the book. <laughs> he didn't even know I was writing a book. How amazing is that? So I've finished the book, Okay. Uh, so there are some copies down the back. If you feel it would be great to have one, uh, it will really help you. It's just called The Lie That You Believe and talks about a radical encounter with the truth. And the second book's just to do with part of what Morty and I do around money stuff. It's called The Four Purposes for Money. Uh, and I wrote it with young people in mind. That's why it's so skinny, young people. So you'll read it. Uh, and so if that, you think that might be able to help you, that'd be good. It's $10 for, for the lie that you believe. It's $5 uh, for the four purposes. If you want one, they'll be at the back. Uh, Jared and your lovely family, you don't have to, own, uh, you don't have to oh, buy one. Thank you.
Praise the Lord. Okay, my I've used some of my time, so is it okay if we just hurry along a little bit? Okay, let's go in our Bibles to the book of Galatians chapter 3. I want to just show you a, a great verse there. It's in verse 13. You, you go there. I'm already there, so I'm just going to read it to you. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Then it says this, the reason for that to happen, he tells us, is that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Just a really neat thing that Paul shared with the Galatian believers. He says, you know, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Now, have you ever found that sometimes it's possible to read verses in the Bible and think that's interesting, but not really know the source or, or what the blessing was? In other words, if we were asked this question, what is the blessing on Abraham? And sometimes we just read it and we just read on. We don't actually ask ourselves a question, well, what is that blessing? Well, this morning, I want to take you back. I want to show you. Is that okay? That we actually have a look and find out what that blessing is. Because I think that it's important because whatever it is, the verse here tells us, look what it says. Uh, Paul says to us there that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. In other words, whatever this blessing is, it can come on us. Yeah. Now, how many kind of know that there is a real blessing on the children of Abraham? Now, we, when we think about that, we don't often think necessarily about Christians, although theologically we are his children. We often think about the Jewish people. We think, well, they're, they're blessed. Can, can I just describe to you a little bit, just a little bit, about the blessing that's on the, on the Jewish people? Yeah. Let me just give you a little bit of the blessing. Jews make up 4% of the population of the U.S., just 4%. But they hold 40% of the wealth. Say it backwards, brother. Wow. 4% of the population, they hold 40% of the wealth. They make up 0.1% of the population of planet Earth. They hold 30% of the wealth. It's in a staggering thing. And so the blessing of Abraham, whatever it is, we better believe it's pretty cool. Agreed? So... Uh, you know, so when we hear that, we say, oh, I know why that's the case. I know why that is so. And, and the reason we give, we say, oh, because that's God's, they're God's chosen people. That's what we say. So let me just say this to you. So I, I, we, but we need to look at our Bibles. The book of Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6, it says this. Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant, which is established on better promises. So what it's saying to us is we also are God's chosen people. Yeah. So we're God's chosen people and they're God's chosen people. So then the second thing we do, oh, the reason they're so wealthy is because they have a different covenant to us. So the first thing we say, oh, that's because God's chosen people. Then we say to people, no, no, we're God's chosen people. Last time I read the book. And they, so then they say, oh, that's because they have a different covenant. So, but the Bible says in Hebrews 8, 6, it says, for Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant. Can somebody say better Better, not different. Now, I, I'm, I wish I could remember all your children's names. Just give me time. I'll finally get it. What's, what's your name, sir? Justin? Justin? Kristen. Kristen. I'm sorry, Kristen. Now, Kristen, if I came to you. Tristan. Oh, third time lucky every time. 
Tristan, I, I need your help just to show me. You know, um, if I came to you and I said, Tristan, I'm happy to give you this one here, or I'm happy to give you this one here. You can't have them both, but you can have one of them. Which one would you choose? He, now, Tristan shows him this one. Now, I know, I know that you chose that because you really like blue, but you're not quite so fond of brown. Is that, it's, it's all based on color, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> pretty much, yeah, pretty much. Well, you know, but the point is that what Tristan knows about this is he says that, that this one here can do everything that this one here can do and more yeah. because it's better. Yeah. It's not just different. So the covenant that God has brought us into is not just different, it's better. Which means it can do everything the old one can do and more. It's the covenant of more. And so that's why we need to love what Jesus did. So what, what, the, the blessing of Abraham, the covenant of Abraham can belong to us as well as to the Jewish people. And there, there are things that we can learn about how that covenant comes. Tristan, there you go. Buy yourself a burger today, my friend. Or alternatively, read my book and do all four purposes with the money. Just to guilt you a little bit. All right. Okay, so I want to show you what the blessing of Abraham is. Let's just go to the book of Genesis in chapter 12. You okay to do that? Uh, if uh, you're a relatively new Christian, you should be very thankful to me because Genesis is the first book of the Bible. It's easy to find. Just imagine if I did to you what I did to the business folks last night. I said, find Ecclesiastes. I think one or two of them were thinking I was swearing at them. So Ecclesiastes is a little bit harder to find. But Genesis chapter 12 uh, is where I want us to go. And we're going to find the blessing of Abraham. All right, when you're there, would you say, ooh ah? All right, so I feel comfortable to read because you're in the same place I am. Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make you your name great. Isn't that special? And you shall be a blessing. Uh, 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 you shall be a blessing, sorry. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, do you remember what Galatians said? I know we read it a few moments ago. Remember what Galatians said? It says that the blessing of Abraham shall come on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. In other words, whatever God blessed Abraham with is also available to us. So this is how God blessed Abraham. Pretty cool, way. Eh? Pretty astonishing blessing. Now, if I can just break it down. For a start, he says, get out of your country. He says, oh, before this blessing comes, one of the things you're going to do is you're going to have to get out of your country. In other words, you're going to have to realize that change is on its way. Yeah. And I believe that God really gave me this verse when Pastor Glenn rang me up and said, I'd love you to come, love you to be part of our seed offering, love you to talk into our future uh, and believe God for good things for the future. As moment he's talking to me on the phone, I knew exactly what I was going to share with you. I knew that we were going to talk together about Genesis chapter 12. This is like a, a, a lighthouse in my life. This is a focusing point on my life. This is a verse I go back to again and again and again because I believe that the blessing of Abraham has come on my life. 
So I want you just to understand, first of all, God said, I want you to get out of your country. I'm going to shift you out of your comfort zone. Thrive, I believe that God is saying, I'm going to shift you out of your comfort zone. I'm going to cause there to be a time of unsettledness, and I'm going to cause there to be a time of a little bit of uncertainty, because I want to bless you. Then the second thing he says, to a land that I will show you for. He said, first of all, I'm going to take you to a different place. And then he says, I'm going to make you move. Then he says, I'm going to make you do a faith journey. I'm not telling you where you're going. Just step out in faith. And I know that even as you take this special offering that you're doing, the seed offerings you're taking, you don't know exactly where it's taking you. You just know that God's given you a promise. And so he wants to do it. So then after he said those two things to them, get out of your country, get away from your father's house. And then the third thing he says, and he says, and then I'm going to bless you. And he says, uh, I'm going to take you, and I'm going to read it again so you can really get it with me, to a land. Can somebody say to a land? That I will show you. Then he says, I will make you a great nation. Can we say that? I will make you a great nation. And then he says, I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I wanted to suggest to you today that there are three aspects to the promise that God gave to Abraham. Now, when we read them, sometimes it's not immediately for 21st century people just to connect with the significance of what God spoke to, what God said. So can I put it in 21st century vernacular? Can I speak it, put it in 21st century language? What God promised him, first of all, he said, I'm going to give you property. Wow. Then he says, I'm going to give you people. I'm going to make you, make you a great nation. And then thirdly, he said to you, I'm going to give you prominence. I'm going to make your name great. Can we just say those, say those, three, things to, say those three things together? Number one, he said, I'm going to give you property. Number two, he says, I'm going to give you people. Number three, I'm going to give you And as a result of those three things, he said, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Phenomenal, phenomenal uh, experience. Now, we live um, something like 4,000 years after Abraham. Well, nearly four and a, well, three and a half thousand years after Abraham, right? So we live that long after him. And on our news this week, I can almost say it's a guarantee, almost a guarantee that there will be something about the land of Israel. It's a piece of land about the size of Northland. Not very big. And yet it's on our news normally every week. And it's on our news because it's normally contested for. It hasn't been easy to get. It hasn't been easy to hold. But it's a land that's given to them by promise. And we need to know that God has given us a land of promises. He's given us a promised land so that we can enter into it. But the thing uh, that, uh, that was so important, and I want to just really talk to this. The first thing he said, to, to be the blessing that I'm calling you to be, you're going to need property. And then secondly, he says, to get to be the blessing you need to be, you're going to need people. And he says, to get the blessing that you need, I'm going to need to give you prominence. And then as a result of that, you will bless all the nations of the earth. Now, I don't know how big your vision is for this church. I don't know how vision you, your, big your vision is for your life. I don't know how big your vision is for your leadership. But I believe that it's time for us to get a bigger vision. I believe it's time for us to say, Lord, Thrive Church Rangiora is destined by God to bless all the nations of the earth. We are destined by God to make a difference. 
Hallelujah. And it's time for us to stretch our faith. It's time to get a little uncomfortable so that you can step into the destiny that God has got for you. You think might think, man, Pastor Bruce, this is absolutely impossible. You think it's impossible for Thrive to bless all the nations of the earth. Just get a load of this. When God made that promise to Abraham, he was a 75-year-old nomadic man with no kids. Does that give you a bit of an idea of the size of the miracle of what God promised him here? When God said those words to him, Abraham was a 75-year-old nomadic man. In other words, he had no home with no kids. And God says, I'm going to give you property. I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you a nation, make a nation out of you, and I'll make your name great. You would say, impossible, impossible, impossible. You know what I found about the word impossible? I never understood it till the church bought a computer for me. They said, Bruce, it's time for you to get into the 20th century. I said, could you please just give me one century at a time? So they bought me a computer, and I found out what's wrong with the word impossible. I found it's because there was a problem. Somebody missed the space bar. It's supposed to say, I'm possible. (laughs) Impossible is God simply saying, I'm possible. I can do this for you. And so God gives him a promise to a 75-year-old man. And if we follow the story, it's another 24 years before, because before he finally gets the son of promise, whose name was Isaac. He's now 99 years old. 24 years to get the son. But if we follow the story through and you keep following, he continues to be a nomadic uh, Uh, herdsman, if you like. That's that's what Abraham was. He was a nomadic herdsman. And so he keeps moving and keeps uh, living on other people's land, if you like. But then uh, finally his wife, Sarah, his wife of uh, of the love of his life passes away. And so he goes to to the the people of the land, the, uh, the, the Philistines really, and he says to them, listen, would you give me a piece of land as a burying place for my wife? And he bought the field of Machpelah. That's what it's called, the field of Machpelah. And he, for the first time, he owns a piece of real estate. It's the first time, all the time, he has the land, but he has it by promise. But with the death of a loved one, with the death of Sarah, suddenly he receives an inheritance of the land. He buys the field of Machpelah and he buries Sarah at it. But you need to know, people, that that was 62 years after the promise. He walked by faith for 62 years and to get the promise. So that the challenge for Thrive Church, it was the challenge for, for, for uh, Whakatani Christian Fellowship, what's become Liberty Life Church, where we were. It was the challenge for Expression Church in Auckland, what used to be called the Life Church, is that it's easier to get, the, to get people than it is to get property. It's like the evil one stretches himself to a special degree to try and withhold the blessing of Abraham. He tries to withhold the land from us. Isn't there issues in our country right now between different people groups over the issue of land? Land is always the issue because the evil one would like to keep us nomadic. He'd like us to think that, you know, heaven belongs to Christians, but the earth belongs to him. But I tell you, the devil gets nothing. It all belongs to us. 
It's all ours by inheritance. And it's, it's important for us to have a destiny, to have a faith level. And, and my purpose in being here, amongst any other things that I might contribute into the life of this house, is to say that God has got property as well as people for you. And then out of those two things, he will give you prominence because his purpose is that this place would best bless all the nations of the earth. When Morty and I were just starting off in our church, we had a prophet come through. Some of you might have heard of him. His name is Kim Clement. Uh, he just recently passed away. Just before Mr. Obama became president of the United States, Kim Clement gave a prophecy and said, one day, he said, I will cause my Trump to be a trumpet. He prophesied Mr. Trump into the White House slightly eight years before he ever came in. Wow. Then you know what else uh, the other rest of the prophecy said? He said, and I will make my gates a gate. Bill Gates, there's something going to happen. Watch, because that's going to come to pass. Isn't that amazing? Anyway, he came to our church, and he, look, uh, he was a great musician, and so he was singing and playing, and he, I tell you, that night, he prophesied over anything that moved. In fact, if it didn't move, he dusted it down. If it moved, he prophesied over it. And he, prophes he prophesied over this young lady down here. She was just one of the girls in the congregation, really. Uh, there was a few people that knew that she was kind of special to me. God saved me. He didn't blind me. <laughs> I thought she was great. He prophesied over and said, within three months, you will know a change in your life and you will see a promotion into your ministry. I don't remember that prophecy, nor do I remember the fact that my elders went, whoa. <laughs> three months later, my wife bought a red miniskirt. She looked good. And I fell head over heels in love with her and asked her to marry me three months after the prophecy took place. But then he prophesied this. This is what he prophesied. He says, and God will raise up an orchestra in this place. This is Fakatani. God will raise up an orchestra in this place and your music will go round the world. I thought, that's not possible, Lord. Well, into our church come some great musicians including a man by the name of Charlie, who just had a gift of writing songs on his life. He wrote a song. One morning we were just worshipping, like the beautiful worship we had this morning. And in the worship he starts to sing the song, and he goes, down, goes home and writes it down. And he came back to the church the following Sunday and said, we're going to learn the song that God taught me last Sunday. It's called Extol the Name of Him. And some of you all know Extol the Name of Him. And anyway, we, we put that song on a tape. And uh, it went round to the world to all kinds of missionaries. And then one day, Charlie gets a call from the Billy Graham Association, the second Lausanne Conference on Evangelism in Lausanne, Switzerland. And he said, listen, we're just preparing the worship for our conference. We will have delegates from every part of the earth. We'd like to make our theme song extol the name of him. Can we use your song? So extol the name of him. Some of you will know it. Extol the name of him. Don't worry if you don't. <laughs> but all that I want to say is that God makes a promise and then we have faith. God makes a promise and then we have faith. God makes a promise and then we have faith. Your music will go round the earth. I will raise up an orchestra in this place. God makes a promise and then we have faith. Praise the Lord. And so here in Genesis chapter 12, God made a promise. I'm going to give you property. I'm going to give you people. I'm going to give you prominence. And then through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. God does his job. He gives us a promise. Our job is to have 
faith. And so I think that God has put this incredible moment in the journey of this church, an incredible moment in the adventure of faith that's called Thrive Church Rangi Ora. And he says, I'm giving you a promise. I'm going to give you people. I'm going to give you prominence. But yes, I'm going to give you property. And as a result of that, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. It's hallelujah. I need you to say something to the person next to you. I want you to tell them this. It's never about us. You know, with the, with the, receiving, with the receiving of this seed offering, what, what a cool idea to make a little seed bag. What a cool idea to make a little seed bag. I love that so much because all you need is a seed. All you need is a seed. If we just have the, the seed of faith, all you need is a seed. I don't even have time this morning to tell you the story of the seed that created uh, the church that Liberty Life has got. You might like to Google Liberty Life this afternoon and see the building they have. An amazing adventure of faith. But I want to tell you this. God spoke to me this morning and said, when you go home, you're going to plant a seed and thrive church, Rangiora. So this week I'm going home and Morty and I will plant a seed into the future of this church. We're going to plant a seed into the destiny. There may be somebody who's already given, but you, if you haven't, but you want to be first, you better be quick. <laughs> because it's going to happen. It's going to happen tomorrow that we're going to plant a seed of faith in the future of this church because we believe that God has raised you up, that he's made a promise to you that I'm going to give you property, I'm going to give you people, and I'm going to give you prominence. And as a result of that, I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth through you. You know, <laughs> praise the Lord. For any more information on this sermon or any additional resources, visit us at thrivechurch.co.nz.